Today we are looking at Genesis 22. It's a, a familiar story, a familiar account. You all know about Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Had gone a long time without a child and then God intervened in their lives and he gave them a son named Isaac. God gives Abraham and Sarah a son, the son of promise. And then in chapter 22, the same God asks Abraham to offer his son as a burnt offering. It's one of those tests that can bring tears to any father or even any mother. And the Bible begins by telling us in chapter 22, sometime later God tested Abraham. So this is meant to, the author is looking back at what happened. That's why he can say it is a test. But when it was happening to Abraham, he didn't know that it was a test. He tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And Abraham replied, here I am. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice there, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. The kind of test that brings severe conflicts in someone's heart, it brings sorrow and the sense of loss. Let me just take you back in Genesis 15. You turn with me to Genesis 15, and you hear Abraham's prayer to the Lord. After he had come from fighting and the Lord had given him victory, in chapter 15, the Lord tells Abraham, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, you are very great reward. And Abraham responds, he says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Elie Eliezer of Damascus. Abraham is praying to the Lord, but he's also complaining to the Lord about his deeper need. He does not have a son. And the Lord responds and says, this man will not be your heir, your heir. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, 
Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And we are told in verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Now, look at chapter 17. In chapter 17 from verse 15, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Verse 17, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. So between chapter 15... And chapter 17, something happened. Because in chapter 16, Sarah, Abraham's wife, advised Abraham to get a son from one of her servants. And we know the story. So God responds to Abraham's prayer, a cry, someone who will inherit his estate. God makes a promise that he would give him a son. Abraham looks at his own age, looks at his wife's age, and he says, it's not going to happen the way it should happen. And Sarah says, I agree with you. God wants to give us a son, but he wants us to do something about it. So they come up with a plan, and they get a son. And God comes along again. He reminds them, this is not the son I was talking about. The son I'm going to give you will come from you. They had waited for a long time. But God's plan was still unfolding. And God tells them, you are going to bear a son. It's humanly impossible. In fact... Some of us here, especially the women that are here, those that are 50, 60, 70 years old, will be complaining at this point. In fact, probably some of your prayers are, God, I know you can do it, but don't do it to me. 
You are complaining at the wrong place. This is where you should be complaining in chapter 22. When God is asking Abraham to offer that son. If you want to complain, that's where you should be complaining. Because what God is asking Abraham to do is what satanic worshippers were doing. But this is coming from the Lord. And do you know how a sacrifice was offered? You first have to cut the throat, then dismember the body, cut it into pieces, and then make sure those pieces are consumed by fire. It is like a horror movie. And Abraham is supposed to do that with his own hands to his only son, not Ishmael, but Isaac, the son of promise. God is asking Abraham to act against his long-weighted hope. If you want to complain, this is where you should be complaining. You think having a child at an old age is a problem. Think about offering your own child as a sacrifice. Now, you read the story and Abraham doesn't complain, but we know about Abraham. We know that he cried to the Lord for a son. We know that he tried to get another son to help God which reveals their impatience as human beings. But I think this night, after God speaks to him, asks him to offer his son, I don't think Abraham sleeps that night. As he tries to imagine what would happen to his only son. And I know Abraham is a man of faith. But this is not an easy thing to do. He wakes up early in the morning. Probably he didn't sleep at all. He takes up his son. I don't think he even shared with his wife. takes up Isaac, prepares the wood and some of his servants, and he begins the long journey to the place where God wants him to be, knowing in his mind and in his heart that he's going to offer his son. Abraham is ready to offer his son. He's not trying to do it. It's not easy, but he's committed into obeying the Lord. He gets into the place. He prepares the altar. And on the way, on the way, his son asks him, 
in verse 7 of chapter 22, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but there is, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Abraham doesn't know what God would do. He doesn't have the full story yet. He doesn't, he doesn't know how the end looks like. And probably he's saying this just to comfort his son. But he's also expressing the faith that he has in the Lord. The hope that he has in the Lord. Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that faith is the assurance of the things we hope for. He gets there. He leaves his servants behind. He goes with his son. Binds up his son. Puts him on the altar. We are not told anything about Isaac. So we want to assume that Isaac was. He had faith. At this moment he has faith on his father. And he knows that my father is not going to hurt me. Probably he submits just as his father has submitted to the Lord. But I think he binds him up so that he doesn't flee from the altar. And then probably he covers his eyes with his one hand as he lifts the knife with the other hand. He's probably shaking. He's ready to offer his son as a sacrifice. But before he does it, the Lord intervenes. In verse, in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Do not lay hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. And God says, now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me, your son, your only son. Do you think God didn't know that Abraham feared him? God was very aware. The test wasn't for God. The test was for Abraham. The test was meant to reveal God's fear in Abraham. It was meant to show Abraham how fearful he is before the Lord. The test was meant to make Abraham aware of himself. And the Lord says, stop it. 
As far as the Lord is concerned, Abraham offered his son. In his mind, Abraham had already sacrificed his son to the Lord. Isaac was already dead. And then we are told Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. When Abraham left his house to do what the Lord had asked him to do, the Lord had prepared a ram already. But everything is happening so that Abraham can see what the Lord is doing. That Abraham can understand. And from our perspective, it's written so that we can understand. But I'm telling you, when Abraham left his house that morning, he had already decided that he was going to obey the Lord. And the Lord had already provided a ram. A substitute ram. And Abraham offered that ram. That offering gave Isaac a lifeline. That offering gave Isaac a life. Just as the offering of Jesus Christ gives us life. And you know, as a father, as a mother, you look unto this and you can only ask one question. Who is this God? Who is this God that gives a son and then asks a father to give back that son? Who is this God. And there are so many people that struggle with the idea of God giving his only son to die on the cross. Because in their human mind, it doesn't make sense. Why would a father give up his own son? Because many of us worship our children. have a sister who has a son and she says he's the he's the soul of my life and I have another sister who lost three sons and this other one her life revolves around her son. And sometimes I think of her and I pray. I say, I hope nothing happens to this son because her life would be crushed. And we have parents whose lives revolve around their children. They worship their children. And so the idea of offering a son to God is, or even God giving his son, 
is hard to comprehend. Who is this God? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> this is the God who demands our total surrender. When God is asking Abraham to offer his son, God is asking Abraham to submit to him. He's asking Abraham to give up control, something that we don't like doing. He's asking Abraham to show that he depends, he relies fully on him. Remember, even though I believe God had prepared a ram, he doesn't provide it. He doesn't make Abraham see it until Abraham shows that he is fully committed into offering his son. This is the God who demands our total surrender. Who is this God? This is the God who provides. You look at verse 12. From verse 12, when the Lord says to Abraham, do not offer your son, he provides a ram. A, a ram. He's the God who provides. And we are told Abraham, in verse 14, called that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Who is this God? This is the God who provides. The God who tests is also the God who provides answers for that test. So this tells us that when God tests us, he wants us to turn to him. He wants us to submit to him. Because the only way we can find answers for that test is from him. The God who tests is also the God who provides answers to the test. And I remember I told you the answers are always in the book. The test that God gives us is a test with an open book. You are welcome to copy the answers. He gives us a test, but he also provides the answers to the test that he gives us. When Abraham calls the Lord Jehovah Jireh, Abraham is telling us that this God, he tests us, but he also provides for us. 
But he also tells us that this God, this Jehovah Jireh, provides for all our needs. When God saw that we needed salvation, he provided for it. He sent his son to die on the cross so that you and I can live. He is the God who provides for our deepest needs. He knows when we are in need of his peace and he provides for it. He says that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. When he tests us, it's because he wants us to turn to him for answers. And the answers are always there when you are facing a test, when you are discouraged. That is the test. And the Lord wants you to turn to him for encouragement. When you are grieving, it is a test. And the Lord wants us to turn to him for comfort. When you are hopeless, you can always turn to the Lord for hope. Because every challenge we face is a test. It is a test because it forces us to either rely on God or turn away from God. And Abraham realizes here that the Lord provides he will provide. He continues to provide because he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He provides for all our needs. But when he calls him Jehovah Jireh, he is also acknowledging that this God is faithful. And listen to what he says in verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take a possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All nations will be blessed. It's referring to salvation that will come through Jesus Christ. This is a God who rewards faithfulness. He rewards faithfulness. You know, when we trust and obey God's word, the rest becomes God's story. When we trust and obey his word, the rest is his story. He always rewards faithfulness. When I go to these pastors' meetings that we usually have to encourage one another as pastors and we complain about our congregations. <laughs> we share our difficulties, our experiences. 
And uh, at times I hear other pastors say how their congregations don't give faithfully. They say, if, if our congregation gave faithfully, we would do this and that. And then when it is my turn, I say, I am so grateful because my congregation gives faithfully. And they would all turn to me, really? How do you do it? I don't do anything. I actually don't know who gives what and who doesn't give what. I don't know. I'm not interested. But I know everyone at SBF gives faithfully. And they usually look at me with a weird look. Then I would say, I believe that every Christian who believes that what they have is what the Lord has given them also know that they cannot enjoy what they have unless they give it back to God. You didn't understand that. <laughs> you will never celebrate your Isaac until you give him back to God. You, as a Christian, as a child of God, you will never fully enjoy what God has given you until you learn to turn it back to God. You will never celebrate your children the way you are supposed to until you learn to give them back to God. And then you realize that what I have is what the Lord has given me. And that's when you will realize that you can glorify God with what he has given you. You will never glorify God until you give what he has given you back to him. And as parents, we must learn to give our children back to God. And one of the reasons that we will continue to find ourselves struggling as parents and living a fearful life, especially because we are living in a culture that tries to redefine what God has designed, we are always fighting, we are always fearful and anxious when our children are out, when they go to school, when they go to college, because we know that this culture is busy trying to redefine what God has designed and the only thing that you can do that should give you hope, that should give you courage is by bringing those children and turning them back to God and telling God they are yours. When they are in my house, they are yours. When they are outside my house, they are yours. Yes. Yes, you will only be safe when you know your children are in God's hands, but you have to be ready to let go. You have to really believe 
that it is God who has given you. It's easy to say children are a gift from God, but we don't treat them that way. We treat them as if they are ours. They are not. But this is not just about children. It's about everything that we own. It's not ours. And if you real, truly believe that it is God who has given you, then you will find it easier to give it back to God. You will never celebrate your Isaac until you learn to offer him back to God. Because when you do, you will find God giving him back to you and some. Abraham receives back his son and a ram. And then God promises that he will bless him. Because he's a God who rewards faithfulness. The Lord will provide. He continues to provide. I don't know what kind of test you are going through right now. But I can confidently say from this text. That whether by miracle or by ordinary means whether by life or by death, whether by deliverance or suffering, the Lord will provide. Because Jehovah Jireh is not just for Abraham. It's for you and me too. When Abraham calls him Jehovah Jireh, he's not just focusing on his providential power. He's focusing on God's character. He's the God who gives, who provides. He provided his son for you and me. He continues to provide forgiveness. He continues to, to give us hope. And I tell you, there are many tests that we face that will attempt to take our hope away. On Friday, I went to see Rebecca's mom in hospital. From Wednesday, she was unconscious. She wasn't talking through Thursday, through Friday. They were... The doctors had told them to prepare for hospice. They never expected her to last another day. Yesterday, she woke up and she ate ice cream. And now everyone is confused.
God has ways of encouraging his people. Even in small ways. He has ways of helping us see him even in death. He has ways of ministering to us and providing for what we need. We may not know how he will provide, but as believers we must continue to believe that he will provide. We may not know what he is going to provide, but because he is Jehovah Jireh, we will continue to believe that he will provide. I don't know what you are praying for or expecting from God, but I know that this God that we believe in, he is the kind of God that provides. I may still have needs, but he is still Jehovah Jireh. He may have provided for you already, but he is still Jehovah Jireh. I can always rely on him. I can always expect from him. And this, this is why we we call on those who are yet to believe in Jesus to consider turning to him. Because God through Christ has provided a way for us. He has provided a way for you. If you are not yet saved, Jesus has provided a way for you to be saved. That's how loving, that's how caring God is. God doesn't want you to die in your sins. He wants you to die in Christ. But you have to submit to him because he requires total submission. We may say you must turn to him. You must acknowledge that you are a sinner and that he is the savior and turn to him sorrowfully because you know that he loves you. And therefore, if Jesus Christ is not your savior, you cannot blame God because God has made it possible for you to be saved. It's up to you now. But for those of us that already believe in Jesus, and I know, I know that we get to a point where we feel overwhelmed. We look at our children, we look at the challenges that we are facing in this life, and we are tempted to give up. We are tempted to respond as if God has stopped providing for us. I want you right now to turn to this God in faith. And whatever need that you have, whether 
It is your loved ones who don't know Christ, whether it's a, an emotional need, whatever need that God is making aware to you, that the Holy Spirit is bringing it to your face right now. that you turn it to the Lord and ask the Lord to provide the way he wants to. For those of us that have young children, may you use this moment to give those children back to the Lord and to tell the Lord they are yours, Lord. You know what's happening to them you know the world around them, but they are yours. And I give them back to you and see what the Lord will do. Please take a moment right now. Some of us will be tempted to say, I have asked God this so many times. I'm tired of doing it again. Just open your heart to the Lord. Not because he doesn't know, but because he wants our total surrender. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for every moment that you draw us closer to you. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us that we can trust you, that we can rely on you, that you are our provider that when we trust and obey your word, the rest is your story. And Lord, your people are calling on you right now. And you can hear each one of us. You can, you can see our deeper needs. And Lord, as a testimony of your word and your name, I pray that you may show yourself strong on behalf of your people. That Father, just as they are trusting you right now, that they may also see you. That you may intervene, that you may meet them at the point of their needs. And that in every step of the way, as you minister to us, as you guide us, as you provide for us, that, Lord, you may be glorified. 
In Jesus' name, amen.